Hello and welcome to In the Days of Noor with me, Noor, where we talk about Islamic-related topics and social issues. The following episode was recorded live on my Facebook page. If you ever want to catch us live, please head over to facebook.com slash Noor al and we go live over there every once in a while. We hope that you'll enjoy the episode and thank you for listening. Take care. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Um, so, inshallah, a couple people will log on and um, I'll just keep this video up until tomorrow, I think. So, um, I wanted to um, address what I see as some common reservations to, um, I guess, traditional gender norms. And then there's this specific idea um, that I wanted to address that some people feel Imam al-Ghazali, let me see something because I want to make sure. Um, okay, I wanted to check something technically, but I don't even know how to do it. Let me see. Let's see. So first, just on this question or on this statement that Imam al-Ghazali was misogynist. And, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth with that rhetoric. I was even talking to some Muslim women who are scholars and even some of them felt that way. And if you casually, if you casually read Imam al-Ghazali, you definitely can um, feel that way about some of his work. You can feel that it's just like blatantly misogynistic. Um, but for the most part, how I see al-Ghazali is it's tough. What is misogyny? Misogyny is to hate women. And um, I suppose some would say it's also to discriminate against women. So did he hate women? Did he actively discriminate against women? I don't know. Um, but if you look at some of his rhetoric and you just look at it for face value, then you definitely can come away with that opinion. But... I think that a lot of what Imam al-Ghazali is talking about when he's warning against women or talking about women isn't necessarily women themselves or women ourselves, but rather the uh, temptation of zina, warning men against the temptation of zina, of lust, and to fear women in that regard and the power that they have over men in that regard. For me, that isn't misogyny. That's just reality. Um, I almost thought of that earlier. Just like Al-Ghazali, I don't know that he was a misogynist as much as he was a realist. Now, some of the things he said, you maybe can't put as much of a, a spin on it. Um, but I think that there's a lot of what he said that says that you can think, you know what, um... I'm not so sure this is misogyny or just him honestly discussing the ways in which um, temptation and lust are such an evil for men. And even in his book, um, 
that I'm rereading now, which is Breaking the True Desires, then he even has a part of it, which again is so realistic and just being a realist on his part. He has a part of it in talking about men who have a desire for younger boys. I mean, and that's, you know, but that's something that is a reality for some people as well who have pedophilic tendencies in terms of their um, desires. And so in the book, he was talking about that and that marriage is a better option for that, but that is also worse affliction if you have those kinds of desires because there's no way to fulfill that. Whereas if you are um, tempted with, with, the lust of the opposite sex which is you know among the on the normative spectrum then the solution is to marry and um for imam al-ghazali which is something that that one of our sheikh spoke about he was very much about abstinence and it's like marriage and family and just anything of this worldly life he he has such a focus on fasting on um not owning a lot of possessions that these can all lead us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so to avoid it. And that's not, the thing is that uh, I feel like we have, and I don't know, Allah alam, but I feel like sometimes we have such a limited understanding of the religion, of spirituality, that anything that sounds slightly different from what we've heard, then we feel like, no, that can't be Islamic. But it's not really that. So someone will say, well, how can you say that marriage um, couldn't be, a, may not be a good idea for everyone if the Prophet got married and he said that marriage was the sunnah? And yes, absolutely. But you have to realize that sometimes the scholars and the Prophet himself um, are talking about generalizations and sometimes they're talking about specifics. In general, it's good to marry. In specific cases, it may not be. In specific cases, it may be more of a distraction. Um, and Al-Ghazali talks about for the aspirant, for one who's on the path of Tisawaf, that for him, in his path, and his way of seeing spirituality, then it's better to fast than to marry because marriage is a distraction. But there are other paths that say, no, you seek Allah through those means, that you seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through marriage, through having stuff through being grateful that the path of like one shayuk that we had he said the path of um the shadali tariq in particular is the path of shukr whereas the path of imam al-ghazali was more about renunciation and i'm not you know an expert on imam al-ghazali or any tariqa but i'm just sharing what what my um sheikh said so i think it's really important that we don't automatically make this judgment call of like no that can't be islamic without giving it some kind of reflection and i started out by saying for people who say mama ghazali that what he said was misogynistic and i've had those moments too i think we have to really ask ourselves was he talking about women and women in and of themselves or was he talking about the danger of lust and desire for men that women cause? And that can be very easily seen from the other side. It's not as if, oh, women are just a fitna. No, it's saying that women are a fitna for men and men are a fitna for women. 
and isn't that obvious, right? <laughs> it's like, that's not brain science. That's pretty obvious that both parties are a fitna for each. So anything that Al-Ghazali says, or even that the Prophet says that can be applied, um, as one of Ashuk told us, he was talking specifically about hadith. If there's any hadith that can be applied to both men and women, even if it says men, then you should apply it to both men and women. So it is not to say that it's one-sided. Um, so this idea that he's misogynistic, I don't know. Allahu alam, that's a strong word. Obviously, every scholar is a scholar of their time. Every person is a person of their time. Which is why I really dislike when people, or let me not say I dislike, but I think it's, I think it's a bit short-sighted, um, when people say, oh, that scholar was a product of his time. Well, what are you? What am I? We're all a pro we're all a product of our time. We haven't arrived. We're not any better than they were. In fact, we're worse off than they. At least he had, um the at least he had the practice that we don't have at least he had the knowledge that we don't have he may not have been quote-unquote woke as we say we are but the things that we're enlightened in then okay maybe he wasn't enlightened in but the things that he was enlightened in we surely aren't so who who are we really to judge him i just find that to be so ridiculous and i think that um, you know, Imam al-Haddad, who was another great scholar, may Allah be pleased with him, then uh, he said, and I, I think other scholars have said this too, that if we were to lose all the texts of Islam, except Ihya al which is al-Ghazali's book, then our religion would still be safe. And that's because Imam al-Ghazali spoke about so many different issues using Quran and Sunnah, which is like when people say, oh, this scholar is wrong. You know, that's not what the Hadith says. That's not what the Quran says. You don't think that that scholar had access to Hadith and Quran and to the primary language and to uh, and a better understanding and better teachers than we have like you're really going to use the quran and sunnah argument as if you know it better than they did like that that does not make any that's it's so illogical to me um everyone so on this um so, okay, one thing I wanted to talk about, and, you know, obviously it's not like it's going to stop just because I talk about it, but um, I'll talk about it anyway, is that Khadija, and her, she's used so often, and I think misused, to try and extrapolate normative gender roles that really um can't happen which is that Khadija and the prophet had a unique relationship first and foremost he's the prophet so in this in this quote then imam al-ghazali he said um that the wife should be beneath her husband in four things or or else she will despise him age height wealth and lineage well, we know that the Prophet Sallallahu and Khadijah, they had the same lineage. They were cousins. Um, height, obviously, we don't know. 
and we know that she was taller than him excuse me i said taller we know that she was older than him and that she had more immediate wealth than we had and and, and then then she had and i say immediate wealth because um she may have literally had more individual wealth than him but we have to remember they're living in a tribal system so even when the prophet said some got married he was able to um i don't know if it was a gift or a loan but he was able to get money from his uncle to pay the inappropriate mahar to khadijah in fact she had the largest mahar of all of the prophet's wives even though he was probably probably at his poorest then because we know that his later marriages um, came about when Islam was spreading so he had more access to wealth just in terms of his power as a leader um, but she received the largest uh, mahar from him and so so I think I think there's something important about that because when we're talking about wealth in our time oftentimes we're just talking about two individuals we're talking about what I make salary yearly and what the what or let's say what a sister makes uh in her yearly salary what the brother makes in his yearly salary we're not really talking about more than that but i think that when it comes to their time that tribe does matter tribe plays a factor into that so it's not just about do i literally have the same amount of yearly income as you but also what kind of tribe am i coming from and we know that they were both Quraysh. um so they're actually very similar in many ways. And then when we talk about even the wealth that Khadijah has, which which is why I don't think that her example is even appropriate in the way that people try to use it, is that Khadijah had money from uh, inheritance, from being married and then being left with that inheritance. Um, that's very different than a woman that has to go out every day nine to five and make her money. That's not the same thing. So to compare the two to me is like, okay, Khadijah had her own money. That's the best we can say to compare to ourselves. But having to go out, think about today. Would you compare someone who's a heiress to someone, let's say someone is a heiress and they're a millionaire and someone else is a millionaire, but they go out and work and make their money every single day. I don't think we'd say those two people are the same. One person has to work for their money. One person doesn't have to work for their money. And Khadija radiallahu anha was simply smart enough to utilize her money for investments and put men to work to grow her to grow her income um or to grow her wealth we should say so uh but still they're outliers and they're outliers one because that's not a normative relationship in general in general men do not marry older women and people <laughs> When people hear this, that men don't want to marry older women, it's like, to me, it's just like, look around, you know, it's not really an argument. It's, it's just about look around you. How many men do you know that marry older women? Like, you may not think that's right. You may think it's not just, but that's not really the argument. I don't even think it is an argument. It's just an observation. <laughs> it's just simply an observation. Men do not usually marry women who are older than them. 
that's it. Like there's no, there's no judgment there to me. And I think that part of the problem is we don't even want to sit with the truth long enough. We're so quick to judge it that we don't even want to sit with it for a moment and, and sort of like deal with that truth instead of trying to, I want to say manipulate it, but you're not really manipulating it just by pretending it's not true. I don't really know what you're doing. I don't really know what the goal is. It's kind of like we've all agreed to lie and I'm not sure who benefits from that. Um, let me read your comment for him. Uh, I'm not sure why Imam al-Ghazali is being called misogynistic, especially if they're going by that post. And let me say, it's not just from the post that I've heard that. As I said in the beginning, I had I was in a conversation even with some other women of knowledge and they felt that way. Um, and I can see why a casual reading of Imam al-Ghazali would have someone feel that way. But to me, I take what one of my shayukh said about hadith, which is that if there's a hadith that's about women or about men and it can be applied to the other gender, then you should apply it to the other gender. And that's what I see from a lot of his work, that it's not about women necessarily, but about lust and zina and, and desire. For sure, some of his quotes you will give you pause and you'll think, hmm, I don't know if that could, I don't know about that. But I feel like for most of it, um, you can do that. Okay, also instead of attacking him or others, we may first benefit from examining our own assumptions and ideas and standards and see how they stand in light of the Quran, Sunnah, our metric isn't, isn't really infallible. Right, right, which is why I always find it funny when people say, oh, the scholars aren't um, infallible. It's like, okay, you aren't either, but at least they have knowledge. So it's like, am I going to go by my own uninformed opinion or what someone who is informed will say? And that's not, and, and again, um, Imam al-Ghazali's path was one path. There are many different tariqas, there are many different spiritual paths that do not preach renunciation, but that was his way. Um, so just about Khadijah and her being an exception, even when you look at the Prophet's other wives, he never had another wife like that. Some of his wives were educated. Um, most of his wives were considered beautiful. All of his wives after Khadijah were younger than him. Um, not, not like Aisha anha was very young. She was also an outlier in that way. But um, all of his wives were, were still younger than him. Sauda was closer to his age, but beyond her, um, they were all younger than him. So even if you want to say, oh, by the Sunnah, how, how can Imam al-Ghazali say this because the Sunnah contradicts him? It's like, actually, the Sunnah doesn't overwhelmingly contradict him. Actually, the Sunnah bears out exactly what he said. Um, Khadijah was the exception. And we know that Khadijah was, his marriage with Khadijah was the most exceptional. So it's not like it, that's to say, um, it doesn't matter, but if you're talking about what is common and what was his habit, then he did marry women who were younger than him. Um, and as far and I'm not gonna let me see. Allahu alam, Allahu alam. I don't know what the wealth of his wives are, but I've never heard of another wife working. But then again, it's like even Khadijah, Khadijah didn't work in the way that we call work. 
Um, I'm sure that some of them came in with money. We know he married the daughter of Omar. We know he married uh, Aisha. So I'm sure that some of them also came with wealth. I don't know if they, if anyone had wealth that amounted to Khadija's. Uh, Ibrahim said, correct, Khadija anha is used in arguments by women when they say the Prophet only married her during her lifetime and she was older than him. Um, age is just the number. So why do you refuse to marry older women? Yeah, and I had a conversation with, well, not a conversation, but a Twitter exchange with someone where I was saying that for sure, Islamically, we cannot say that it is absolutely better to marry a younger virgin, uh, a virgin as a um, as an absolute kind of Islamic advice. Um, at the same time, we do see that that has been given as general advice. And in general, when you look at the Prophet's life, وسلم, he did marry younger women. He didn't marry virgins in general. So that part is not true. But there is some general advice where he does say that. So, but again, it's like, again, it's this issue of, okay, do you think that, it's so funny, my my student, one of my high school students, he was saying to me, <laughs> this kid is really smart. He was saying, feminists think that they can dictate what men desire. <laughs> and, and it's really true. So do women actually think that by saying to men, it's wrong if you don't marry older women, that they're going to marry older women? That's why I don't understand what the point of the dishonesty is or this kind of agreement, let's all say the same lie or let's all be outraged by the same things. And and then what? And then men are going to start marrying older women? I mean, okay, hasn't happened yet. Maybe it'll happen one day. Allahu alam. But I, I don't get it. To me, it's more valuable to observe what is true than to try and make up truth. Like when it's, when it is immoral, then yes, you're going to try and change yourself or change society to make society more moral. But when it's not a moral issue, um, I, I don't really see the issue. If men marry, if that's the habit that men marry younger women, what's the issue? And then, the amazing thing to me is that because there was something I said about um, the same thing of men, well, not the same thing, but something about men, you know, taking care of women, that whole thing. And uh, and someone was saying, someone's response was, oh, well, so does that mean that poor men can't get married? And it's like, what? Like, I don't, sometimes I don't, and I know it's social media, so I know that, um maybe most of us we're just quick to react we don't really like to think about things but i don't know i feel like as muslims we should whatever we should try and be better at that but it's like no this is all relative so imam al-ghazali <laughs> he said a woman should be beneath her husband in four things age height wealth lineage and i get some people may not like the wording beneath like when i reread that i thought okay maybe that's the reason for i don't know um this is about relative to the man it's not about absolute so someone actually said in reaction to that oh well what does that mean that women without um what did this person say 
that <laughs> that women of color, women who do not have lineage or wealth, um, won't get married or an objectification of them. It leads women to be overworked emotionally and spiritually. I mean, I'm not even quite sure what that means. But um, the point is, the point that I wanted to make just in response to that is, this is all relative. It's not about absolute wealth, absolute beauty, absolute power, absolute religiosity, absolute... No, it's about relative to you. And this is what Al-Ghazali says, and he was actually quoting it from someone else. He didn't name the person. This is in Breaking the Two Desires. What he's saying is like a basic observation of human behavior. It, I don't even know if it is necessarily... Did he put it as advice? Yeah, the way he quoted it was as advice. But it's like... If you just observe human behavior, that's generally the trend. And then we see modern marriages, and we I know that you quoted, Alana, um, some of the studies about when women are the breadwinner. Um, and I don't know, there seems to be conflicting research, Allahu alam, because there was a brother who tried to, uh, who was posting research before that was opposing to that. So Allahu alam, I'd have to read the research. But it seems to be that when women are in marriages where they are the breadwinner, those marriages do not last. Or in marriages where the man is the stay-at-home dad, those marriages do not last. And Allahu alam. But the general trend is not for women to marry men who make less than them. In general, women want men who um, make at least as much or more than them. So, again, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, let me get to the second part of the post so I can end. Yeah, so then he says that she should be better than him in four things. Beauty, good manners, character, and scrupulousness in matters of religion. And first, like, it's obvious that this is Imam Al-Ghazali's opinion. Again, he was actually quoting from someone else. He didn't name the person. Um, but I would think that he quoted it because he agreed, just like I posted it because I agreed. And so it's like, in one sense, to say that, oh, well, this is not Quran or Sunnah. Well, like, yeah, that's obvious. This is his opinion. But in another sense, it's like, where is the, in what part of this objects with Quran or Sunnah? Um, and it's like this, I realized that among us as American Muslims, we really almost hate the idea of people being equally yoked. Like any time this conversation comes up, people seem to be very upset and very angry. But do the marriages where people aren't equally yoked or similarly yoked last? Are those more successful? Because if those are more successful, then great, we should all do that. But it doesn't seem to me that they're more successful. And that's kind of um, almost part of the reason why in a lot of things I am a traditionalist, quote unquote, is because if it's been working, why would we change it? Now, if you found a better way, a more successful way, great. But even to say you found a successful way, a more successful way, you need to show me a track record. And obviously, so far, modern marriages have not lasted longer than more traditional marriages. So we don't have a track record, that's for sure. We know that women aren't as happy as they were in the in the 70s and when 
for people who record that sort of thing. Just Google women's happiness. Why has women's happiness gone down in the past few decades? So the things that people are preaching, it may make them feel good. But what has it actually contributed to our communities? Um so yeah, I, I just wanted to point out the way that Khadija has been misused and I'll probably write something about that with the title of like but Khadija or something because people team sent send what am I trying to say? People tend to use her a lot to make exceptions to the rules. And alhamdulillah, she was an exceptional person, but we follow the rule. We don't follow the exception. So for the most part, the idea that men are going to marry women who are older and wealthier or that that should be promoted. I don't see any Islamic, um, what should I say? I don't see, I don't see any justification for that. If you want, where well, there's so many things that we can take out of their marriage, that part of it, I don't really see. But then again, if you want to say that, if you want to say, and thus we should do that now, okay, find me a woman that's in the type of situation that Khadija anha was in. Because Khadija did not work the way that we think of working. She was not going out to work. She had money and she was intelligent enough to invest it so that it could grow. So if you're in a scenario like that, um, or if you're trying to promote a scenario like that, I mean, okay, there, yes, there you go. There's your proof for it. But that's usually not what people are trying to promote. They're usually trying to promote women working in the way that men work in our society and, um, and use Khadija anha as quote-unquote proof for that. Also, I don't see many, Farhan said, also, I don't see many women actually wanting to marry younger men. Yeah, when it comes down to it, similarly to how most women don't want to marry men shorter than them. It's absolutely true. Um, this is like, this so much data, it seems, has been done about just on dating profiles and shorter men like getting less attention and less replies and women wanting to know the height of men. And this being a really important thing um, to a lot of women for whatever reason, probably just, you know, it's some kind of show of power and, and of masculinity. But it's like, if you want to... But that's a, that's the thing to me. People want to deny reality as if there's some sort of benefit in it. Like, if you want to say, you know, that's superficial and whatever, I don't know. But then at the end of the day, I don't know what that benefits you. I don't know that you saying it's superficial is going to make women go out and marry shorter men. So I, I don't really get the uh, the motive um, let me just, there was one thing I wanted to comment on and then I'm done. So there were comments like, that I find so funny. So I commented on the thing about, oh, this advice is cultural and he was a product of his time because it's really like, well, what are you? You know, and what am I? We're all products of our time. So to me, that's like people use it as an insult and use it to dismiss older scholars. 
um but you are just as much a product of your time as they were at least they had knowledge you know so to me how i'm supposed to trust my own opinion or someone else's opinion over the opinion of a scholar who at least had knowledge because you're enlightened or woke or whatever you think you are um and i'm not talking about anyone in particular a lot of people said things like that um and there are a lot not a lot but there were and then there were a couple people and i'm kind of like it's not the first time i've seen people comment things like this on this kind of issue which is why i'm commenting like i really you know i don't want to be a reactive kind of person right um but i thought that this was valuable enough to comment on so people said <laughs> it's toxic it's dangerous i think there were some people who said it was misogynistic and it's so interesting because it's like okay which part of this do you have a problem with right so even even before we get into your judgment have you even taken in what it is that you have a problem with because to just sort of say in totality it's toxic it's misogynistic and honestly the quote that the quote that i put up i didn't think it was misogynistic <laughs> i didn't think it was you know obviously or i wouldn't have put it up um I just thought it was very realistic. I thought it was such a like realist kind of thing. And, you know, I listen to a lot of women who talk about these issues, women who talk about leveling up and uh, what's another word? Oh, not your mule. Like these are some women on Twitter and YouTube, black women who talk about because black women have for whatever period of time, um, a lot of black women have been in a situation because of the finances of men and all of that where they try to work with black men who have lower finances but there was the end result isn't great they still end up single mothers the marriages doesn't the marriage doesn't work out or they never get married and so there is like a, a very small sub movement of black women who also talk about these issues so so i found it so interesting just reading through his book to see him um talk about this because it's so in line with at least what some subgroup of women um are talking about in just trying to go back to normative gender standards like we've done the whole okay let's work with a brother and let's work with the finances and let's try to make this work together and then burned by it or it just doesn't work out it just doesn't last it's not really worth the the struggle um so yeah anyway alhamdulillah so i thought that it was really interesting to see a traditional scholar put it into um put it in his own in his own words um you won't see women complaining that poor men don't want to marry them <laughs> Or men complaining that <laughs> that women six feet tall don't want to marry them soon. But for some issues, we've been programmed to feel shortchanged. Yeah. Alana is sad, which study shows that marriage is where the wife is a breadwinner. No, not that they are. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Um, that's what this brother was saying, that there were studies that show that when men and women work, those marriages last. And I 
I have to look through it because the research that I've looked at so far show the exact opposite of that. Um, but hey, I have to look through it. You know, we have to be like honest um, and read through the research, even if we sort of disagree on the face of it. Um, there are a couple studies only, of course, there will be a minority of women who are okay with it and happy. But I'm not talking about the minority of women, the overwhelming research demonstrates. Yeah, and that's the funny thing. It's like people really don't like talking about generalizations. But I feel like you take generalizations and then you tailor it to your life. If this usually works out, then you try to aim for that. But then you still tailor it to your life. So is every single woman or should every single woman make sure that she's beneath her husband in these four things or that she's better than her husband in four things um actually we spoke about in the um in the facebook live again where michael michael sanford and i were talking about traditional versus modern marriage then we spoke about um that there were things we agreed about but there was one thing we agreed disagreed about and that thing was um, when it came to what men, what when it came to the role of men and women in marriage. Um, and the thing that we we had a small disagreement about is that I felt that women could sometimes be the spiritual leader in their household, and that in fact, them being freed from work could give them the opportunity to do so. And so again, it's kind of interesting to that I just ran across this in Al Ghazali's book. Um, where he said, and I did read the book before, like years ago, but I'm trying to reread it now. And um, so, yeah, a woman may find that she's with a, with a man that is more scrupulous than her in matters of religion. Um, or she may be from a better lineage or whatever. But it's like, even even you look at the Prophet Sallallahu put Zayd, who was his former slave and became his adopted son, may Allah be pleased with him, with Zainab, who was from the, the tribe of the Quraysh, I believe, or was related to him. I, I think the same tribe. It would be the same tribe, but, you know, they have the tribe and the sub-tribe, so I'm not um, exactly sure of all of that. But um, he put them two together to get married and the marriage didn't work out. And Allahu Alam, but what I have heard is that she didn't feel comfortable being with a man who was below her status. So it's like, even if people try sometimes, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. Sure, it may not work the other way around either if the man is of a higher lineage, Um but I'm just saying, like, that's an example where the Prophet ﷺ purposely put those two people together and it didn't work out. So, um, but I was I was saying that, of course, these things can vary for individuals. But if you're writing a book, which al Ghazali is writing a book for the general public, then there are going to be some generalities that he's going to talk about that may not apply to every single person. Some some people may be completely fine with marrying someone of a lower lineage. And yeah, some people said, well, that could be racial sometimes. Yeah, it absolutely can be racial. So it's like, the funny thing to me is that some people complain, like, um, I've heard especially black men complain about um, if they want to marry a Pakistani woman or something, oh, the family's giving him such a hard time, they're racist. And it's like, okay, why would you want to marry into a racist family? Like, does that make sense? 
which is what I don't get about some people. So it's like Al Ghazali is talking about reality. And the reality is that you don't want your wife turning up her nose at you because she's from what she believes is a higher lineage. Like, obviously, we're not going to say that one race is better than the other. But if someone believes, for whatever reason, that they are better than you, why would you want to enter a marriage like that? Or their family believes they're better than you. Why would you want to enter a marriage like that? But people would rather focus on um, overall Muslim and it's not right and it's racist. Yeah, it's not right. It's not racist. But on a very practical point, why would you marry into a family that thinks you are less than them? It doesn't make any sense. So even if we agree that the point about lineage can be racist, it doesn't make the advice any less true that you should marry a woman, excuse me, that a woman should marry a man that has better lineage than her because you don't want to be in a marriage where the women's fa where the woman's family thinks that you are less than them. Um, let me see. I can't believe people didn't understand Gazelle's comment about how he's talking about a man relative to her status. Um, George Clooney married Amal, who was successful, who was a, a successful attorney um, from an upper class family, but George Clooney is still above her and he was exponentially richer than her. Amal is still beneath George. Yeah, you know, I think that people don't like the, <laughs> I don't know, but I think that people don't like the language of beneath, maybe. And then I asked someone and they said, maybe it's about uh, people just don't like hierarchy in our time. And I think that's maybe is um, a part of it. People don't like any kind of hierarchy, but it's like, okay, but hierarchy still exists, whether you like it or not. Um, Thank you, Amino. I mean, inshallah. Alrighty, I'm going to go. Mm. Or should I read this first? Alright. Uh, they say the Prophet ﷺ didn't marry besides Khadijah during her lifetime. So they say this to say they want to be like her. Mm. Only in the way where she was the wife, nothing else. Mm. There's a hadith asks me whether to marry a virgin or a matron. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and so it's just so funny because again, people feel left out when when it's sad, and this is this could be whether you're speaking about Islam, you're talking about suitability, which is a concept in fic, whether you're talking about evolutionary psychology somehow people automatically hear when they hear that women look for wealth in men oh so women only want to marry wealthy men or that men look for beauty in women oh so women so men only want to marry beautiful women it's about relative to you it's not absolute and i feel like we'd all have such a much easier time in in getting married Allah love about staying married but at least in getting married if we understood these things because the 40 year old the 30 40 year old who's saying she's having a hard time getting married is she looking at the let's say the 30 year old that she's having a hard time getting married is she looking at the 40 year old men 
or the maybe 50 is too old but 10 15 years then your <laughs> your marriage suitability to those men go up but people are complaining about the fellow 30 year old men don't want to marry them they want to marry the 20 year olds it's like yeah they do and no amount of complaining is going to change that they do want to marry women who are younger especially if they're established so people would rather complain or they think that complaining will change something and again to me there's nothing immoral um about that so that's why i don't care about changing it because there's nothing immoral about a man wanting to marry someone younger and there's nothing immoral about a woman wanting to marry um someone who has established wealth in fact it makes perfect sense a woman wants what i mean <laughs> Sometimes it pains me to explain this because it's like, I don't get why this isn't as obvious to everyone else, but whatever. Which is not to say I'm I'm smarter than everyone else or something, but some of these things just feel so obvious. Um, women, no matter the year, you know, Allah Allah about the future, but in 2019 are still the ones giving birth. So you still want to have some level of security that when you're pregnant when you have the child initially even if you still you're a working woman and plan to go back to work you still want some level of security that if you need someone to depend on if you need to depend on your man then it's going to be excuse me then he's going to be able to do so and why do men want youth because youth is a sign of fertility so we may not and that's the thing to me, it's like, if you say it's unfair, unfair by who? Because this is, unless subhanahu wa ta'ala made it so that women cannot have children for the rest of, for all of their life. They can only have children up to a period of time. So for you to say it's unfair for a man to want to marry a younger woman, I mean, I don't know. Are you upset with biology? Are you upset with God, Mena because he made it, he unless Yohanan made it so that we can't have children the rest of our life. And he made it so that people in general want to have children. So it's unfair that a man wants to marry a woman who's still in her fertile years? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand that. I really don't. And the same goes for the woman who wants to marry a man who has some money. Is that unfair? Is it unfair that she wants to be taken care of when she's, uh, especially when she's pregnant or has a young child? Is it unfair that babies are needy? Well, that's what, you know, the inexpensive. Well, that's the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it. So it's like to not look for a man with wealth relative to you is illogical. And that's what a lot of women do when those marriages don't last. That's what a lot of women are and the Muslim community and the black community are told to do. And how often do those marriages last if you are stressed out because your husband can't take care of you? How long is that going to last? Um, Jermaine, assalamu alaikum. It's not an issue or shouldn't be. People have to stop letting insecurities mislead them and lead them to becoming defensive. Yeah. Yeah, and I just feel like um, it's not going to change just because you complain. It's not going to change just because you're outraged. It's not going to change because you say it's toxic. 
And if it did change, is there, and, and that's the thing to me too, if it did change, what guarantee or what evidence do they have that their way that the, the more modern marriage or the more modern conceptions of gender is better? What evidence do they have? I see evidence to the contrary. I'm sticking to my traditions and my traditional beliefs until they can literally show us that these new conceptions of gender and these new conceptions of marriage are working out better. And so far, they're not, you know, and we still more than that, we still have our faith that by and large, not in every way, but by and large supports the basic traditional setup of marriage and, and basic traditional ideas around gender. Obviously not in everything, but in a lot of things, if you just want to generally talk about gender, um, then in a lot of things, Islam supports the general idea of traditional um, gender rules. So yeah, alhamdulillah, mashallah. I'm just gonna, I'll probably take this video down tomorrow because I, I like hate impromptu videos, so I don't keep them up. Um, so inshallah ta'ala, I hope that everyone is having a good Saturday. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with increased knowledge and bless us not to overstep our bounds and bless us with understanding and bless us with the best knowledge and knowledge that is beneficial and useful and um <laughs> be with <laughs> be with who wants to be with you seek out what's best and fitting for you period and simple Jermaine, I'm trying to like, seriously, I'm trying to absorb that myself. And I feel like everyone needs to absorb that harsh dose of reality. It shouldn't even be harsh. But for some reason, it's like we've been taught. And I guess it's part of this millennial thing that people joke about. We've literally taught, been taught that like everyone gets a star and everyone, you know, is great and everyone is a winner. And it's like, no, we're not all going, we're not all equal, first of all. <laughs> and we're not all going to get, yeah, I'm ending. And we're not all going to get just what we want. We're more likely going to get what we deserve. And so it's like, if you're not willing to be honest enough with yourself about what you deserve, then that's why we have a bunch of frustrated, you know, frustrated individuals who... And I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of it, but it's like frustrated individuals who either the man is complaining about, oh, all these women want is money. And it's like, no, the women you want, <laughs> want money. If you could honestly assess yourself or want more money than you have, if you could honestly assess yourself and your funds, then you could probably find the woman who your amount of money would be valuable to her and the same for for women oh complaining about oh all these men want are younger women how old are you add 10 years you'll be young to that brother <laughs> you know if you're 30 you're young to the 40 year old man so there really isn't anything to complain about like i I agree with what you say wholeheart with what you said wholeheartedly. Be who wants to be with you. Seek out what's best and fitting for you. Period. Simple. I may have to quote you, inshallah, in a in another post because 
if we would all just absorb that, I'm trying to absorb it myself, it's like life would be easier, I feel. Alright, Faisal, what's the talk about? Well, inshallah, we're ending. So if you like, you can, uh, you know, rewind to the beginning and take a listen. Thank you all for tuning in. Again, have a blessed Sunday. We are heading out. Alhamdulillah, I got an opportunity to go to Manhattan today, which I don't get to do anymore since we moved out of NYC. So, inshallah. Tabarakallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.